Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Good morning, Cornerstone. Amen. Hey, I'm delighted that you're here. I know yesterday was a very busy, eventful day with uh, the funeral for Pastor Willie. Um, Again, we want to continue to keep them in our prayers. Um, But before we get started in today's service, I just want to take a little bit of time to say thank you, uh, Cornerstone, uh, for your love and support for the Taylor family. Guys, making the service here, people coming in early, people serving at their home, just taking care of every need so that the family uh, did not have to worry about any of those things. So I just want to say thank you, Cornerstone. Uh, the guy in the back yesterday, thank you for taking care of me uh, with tech, technology. Uh, again, Stella, where's Stella? But I saw her and several people over serving at the Taylor family. I don't know everybody's name. It'll take me a while. I'll know your face, but it'll take me only seven years to get it. But, <clears throat> but uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, it meant a lot to me personally, but it, it especially meant a lot to the Taylor family. Uh, I did tell Minerva it's all right to stay at home uh, today. Amen. Uh, it's been a turbulent time, so we. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Now, some of you, again, I'm going to progressively bring you into my life more. Some of you do know me to some degree, uh, but you know me just very generally. So I want you to get to know me. I want you to get to know Grace Church. I'll tell you lots of stories, try to bring you into our life, but also I need to be brought into your lives as well. Amen? So uh, normally before COVID, I would come up quite frequently here to Cornerstone to minister, met with the leaders, met with the elders, Willie, and and then COVID kind of shut the church down to some degree, and so... I hadn't been up, and then actually what we were doing at Grace Church is I was transitioning uh, from being the senior pastor there for the last 35 years uh, to do what I feel like God's called me to do, and I believe it's not by accident that we're here at this time. And that is that I believe God's been speaking to me uh, to turn over my church. And again, guys, just again, I'm not trying to say, we were a church of under a hundred under a hundred people for thirteen years or for ten years, and had worked two jobs thirteen years, going through Bible college and getting the church going. And it was my UPS salary to a high degree that helped pay for the church, not uh, that we were were funded. But God was always faithful. We've never never ever not been able to pay a bill, and God has blessed us. But I remember uh, in our journey of planting the church in Southern Pines, North Carolina, God told me, he says, Randy, I called you to go fill the city or take the city with, for Jesus. And so we were sent out in June of 1988. Uh, we moved there uh, to Southern Pines from Fayetteville, the Manor Church of Fayetteville. And we launched the church there. Did I tell the story last time? Okay, I, you know, I speak a different place, so I forget. It's all right, I'm getting old. <clears throat> Older. I'm just getting closer to Jesus. We don't, by the way, this church doesn't have old people, we just have people getting closer to Jesus. Amen? <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> all right. All right, so. But I remember, I remember there was a time when we were about 10 years into the church, uh, maybe a little bit before then, and I was working the, the two jobs, uh, basically full-time, and I was just exhausted. I had four children. And I remember one day the Lord spoke to me. He says, Randy, I didn't call you to start a church. I called you to fill the city with Jesus. And I said, Lord, what do you mean? I thought that's what I was doing. And to be honest, guys, our church was seeing very, and again, now there's a little bit of an evangelist side in me. And so when I used to work on the staff at our church in Fayetteville, we would lead 10, 20 people to the Lord every week in Fayetteville. And then I moved to Southern Pines, and I don't know that I led a person to the Lord that first year. 
we weren't seeing people come to Christ. And we definitely weren't making an impact on our community. So I remember at that time, I says, Lord, you told me to, what do you mean, fill the city with Jesus? And uh, it means the church impacts the community. The people of the church impact decisions that are being made. It influences everything that's going on. And what I would tell you right at that time is, man, we had some amazing church services. I remember a service one time. We had a guy who, uh, in our network of churches, who had a real evangelism gift, a real healing gift. Uh, And he came to preach. He was from overseas, came to preach. and, And we had a retired judge in our church. And during the service, this judge had a heart attack and died right in our service. And so we're there, we're calling 911, we're rescuing him. And, you know, again, he's the kind of the guy that's getting up and says, well, hey, I, you know, these are the signs and wonders. The, the guy didn't have a leg. We prayed for him. God gave him a new leg. He was blind. You know, just that. And so here we have the guy who has the gift from God in our service preaching. While he's preaching, the guy dies. I'm glad it was him that was preaching that Sunday. Amen. So he goes up, prays. The guy's literally turned into bluish, purpley, gray, stop breathing. We know he's dead. And uh, people are trying to do CPR. And he walks up and he prays for him. And, he, and the guy comes back to life. Oh, yeah. But in the midst of that, now, by the way, just so when God healed him, you know, his, he, his wife, was the national director at one time of Women's Aglow. How many of you remember Women's Aglow years ago? His wife had been the national director for Women's Aglow for several years. And, uh, and then she contracted cancer. We prayed for her, and, but the Lord chose to take her home. And so then he says, Randy, I'm really struggling with some temptation here, and I need to get married, this guy that had been raised from the dead. So he got married again to his childhood sweetheart, who was a believer in Jesus. And then she moved here, and then she passed away. And then he came to me again and says, Pastor, I'm struggling here a little bit. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> and then he married again, and then she passed away. I said, Bill, we're done? He said, we're done. And he's gone to be with the Lord. But uh, when God healed him, he healed him right. Amen? <laughs> Too much information there. All right. Now, I remember when Grace was... We'd do the 50, 70, 90 yo-yo for 10 years, working two jobs. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Randy, I didn't call you to start a church called to fill the city with Jesus. I said, Lord, I don't understand what that means. We're a spirit-filled church. We're apostolic. We believe the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We believe in the spirit-filled life. And so <clears throat> I said, God, I don't understand what you're talking about. I said, man, we, we, we have the most amazing worship. We have Powerful. I mean, guys, we'd, it was amazing. But how many of you know it's not about a signs and wonder capacity? But are you taking what God's given you to change your world? During that time, I was sitting there in a, we had a little worship center. That big. Maybe that big. But I remember, I said, Lord, there's just a handful of people. There's more people in this room right now than we're in our regular Sunday morning services. We had roughly 50 to 75 adults and, uh, you know, at the max. And I I remember the Lord spoke to me and says, Randy, there will be a day when Grace Church has 4,000 men. I said, God, I don't even have 35 men. But how many of you know when God gives you a word or a promise? You have to believe it in spite of your what you're seeing in front of you. So I said, God, what does it mean to fill the city with Jesus? And so God began to bring, just began to speak to me about different things of of what it meant to fill the city with Jesus. Well, the first thing we did is we started getting together with pastors in our community, and it was white church and it was black church. 
And again, we've always felt God's called us to be a multi-ethnic church, but we were predominantly a white church. So we did is I first of all went back to the vision of what God had called the church to, and I said, God, wherever I've not fulfilled what you've called us to do, because again, God's called us to be a house of prayer for all nations. The word nations is ethnos. It was a core value what God had called us to do. He called us to be a center of praise worship, and he's called us to raise up an army of fully devoted followers of Christ. So how do you, how do you fill the city with Jesus? By loving God, loving people. Amen? But guys, we were a powerful, spirit-filled little hand, a holy huddle of people, but we weren't changing our community. So God began to set me on a journey, and so we started getting together with a bunch of pastors. And it was white church, and it was black church, and it was Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and all kinds, but we never talked to each other. We never did anything together, and we were all building our own little church. I mean, you know, this isn't our church. This is God's church. So we all got together because God started speaking to them as well. We started repenting of the division in the body of Christ. We repented that we hadn't been walking in what God had called the church to do. And we just removed Satan's legal access to bring devastation to the churches in our city. We had some of the, one of the wealthiest community in North Carolina, but we had some of the worst drug and violence and it just was terrible. And so what happened is when we started getting together to pray, guess what happened? When we stopped trying to build our church and began to focus on building God's church, God began to bless Grace Church. And then God began to give me just a vision of how to restructure the church. I remember God spoke to me out of Ezekiel chapter 37. I just read it in my daily devotions the other day. It was about raising up a valley of of an army out of the valley of dry bones. And the Lord spoke to me. That scripture was important. So two days later, I walked into my office and someone had put a book called The Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren. It's sitting on my desk and God says, Randy, I want you to read this book and I want you to implement it before I ever opened the page. It was sitting on my desk. I opened it. The front cover had 30 Psalms, uh, Ezekiel 37, about raising up an army of fully devoted followers of Christ. The Valley of Dry Bones. And I said, okay, God. So, guys, I began to realize that our church had to change if we were going to impact our community. We're a spirit-filled church, but we were a spooky church. All right? We had amazing signs and wonders. But we weren't changing. We weren't changing our community. And guys, I hope I'm not saying anything. How many of you know some of us spirit-filled people can get a little wacko on times? But guys, we have a gift that God's given us, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I I tell people all the time, guys, be spirit-filled. But just whatever you do, don't be weird and wacky. All right? I'll I'll whack you if you're you're wacky. Because you turn people off. But guys... When you're at work and you pray for somebody to be healed and God does it, the gospel speaks. And you just don't have to be weird. So we're going to, I'm going to begin to take some of the things that God's called Grace Church to do is fill the city with Jesus. Guys, we saw this. We started seeing people come to Christ. All the churches that prayed together. Did you say hear the words all? All but one. All of the churches that prayed together started growing. All of them were like us, 50, 75. The largest one at the time was 200, and it's the one that didn't grow. It's because they weren't willing to change. What happened is, guys, we started seeing people come to Christ. In one year, four, four different churches that were startup churches were given buildings across the board supernaturally. We saw bars shut down. We saw strip, strip clubs shut down. We saw crime rates change. We started bringing the city council, the chief of police. They would drive us around. And we saw the largest drug bust in Moore County history. When God's people gathered together in prayer, building his church versus their church, God began to change our city. It changed the spiritual climate of our city. And it wasn't just one church. It was the churches that prayed together. We saw pastors that were 
very liberal pastors removed from their congregations and God put in believing pastors preaching the gospel. Amen? We did concerts, crusade. We built unity in the city. Now, guys, just a few years later, I just turned the church over because God says, Randy, this is what I'm telling you to do. I'm about ready to pour out my spirit on this nation. This is a season that you need to change what you're doing and begin to prepare my body for what I'm about to do. I help oversee multiple churches, Cornerstone being one of them. And God says, Randy, you need to devote your time to preparing the churches you oversee, beginning to develop leaders and preparing the body of Christ for what I'm getting ready to do. I turned my church over a month ago in October. We were having roughly running 2,200 people on a Sunday morning, plus about 1,000 people, 800 to 1,000 people online, and we're in a small community. Guys, our church became a church that filled the city with Jesus. I believe for years that there's a destiny on this church that supersedes the leadership of this church because I believe God's called this church to impact this community. You strategically are placed in one of the most powerful places in America, the largest Christian university in the world, as well as several other colleges. It's not just the Christian college. I mean, I know a lot of kids come to Liberty University. They're just waiting to get away from Mama. They may have Christian on the title, but they live like hell when they get away. (laughs) But guys, I believe that God wants to begin to prepare this church for what he's getting ready to do in the world. You don't know me a lot, but I've had a lot of stories when people say, hey, God told you. Well, I will tell you this. You name me a topic, and I'll tell you something God's told me and and a miracle to back it up. I'm a guy who believes that God still answers prayer, but just don't be weird. (laughs) Let me tell you, we had a little young boy one time when the church, when God was starting to speak to this, and his name was Sean Butler. And he came up to me and said, Pastor, what's happening next Sunday? I said, I don't know what's happening. He said, uh, said, I said, why do you ask? He said, well, I have a friend who's coming to church with me, and... I, I don't want anything weird to happen on Sunday morning. Guys, how many of you know God wants us to be spirit-filled? But this needs to be a safe place to bring people where they encounter the presence of the living God to such a degree that they go away impacted and changed. I believe this church is called to fill the city with Jesus. But guys, when I say the city, it doesn't mean Lynchburg. It means your city may be Liberty University. Does I have anybody that lives not in Lynchburg? Where do you live? Your city is Amherst. Is that, did I say it right? Anybody else? Ooh, girls. <laughs> Go fill your city with Jesus. You as a believer... Don't have junior Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you. I'll call you back later. (laughs) Forgot to turn my alarm off. God speaking. Amen. (laughs) Guys, I'm going to begin to challenge us here at Cornerstone to be all that God's called us to be. Now, I've been talking for a few minutes, and I'm just kind of trying to give you a more of an introduction. Folks, we're going to plant some churches. We're going to train some leaders. We're going to make some ditches in the desert so when the Holy Spirit's poured out, he has a place to go. Amen? Now, the message that I'm going to share with you today, I was, Pastor Willie and I had talked about me coming to speak, and, uh, so I prepared a message that I felt like God had given me for this church. And then we had a hurricane come through, 
and literally the trees in my yard were blown over. My wife says, could you please stay? The worst of it has not yet hit. So I called Willie, and two times now, and in all my years of traveling, only when I've tried to come to Lynchburg have I had storms stop me from coming. I'm not a guy that stops. My wife says, please, I don't want to be here by myself. Is that okay? So we had trees blown over. So I'm going to share with you the message that God had given me for this church. I'm not changing my slides. I'm not changing the order. This is what was prepared a month, maybe a month and a half before, whenever that last little hurricane, not the, not the, the one that came through here, you got all the rain too, right? About a month ago, whatever, two months ago, whatever it was. So now that we are introduced, um, I want to just challenge us. God says let's prepare for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's not be weird and wacky, but let's begin to prepare so that when God does breathe on this church and in this community, he can use this church and you to change this community for the advancement of God's kingdom. Amen? And if you're in Washington, D.C., then set on fire for Jesus. Amen? Go fill your city with Jesus. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be the person that some people are only going to talk to. So, guys, church is not a building. Church is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit living in within us. And God expects you to be used by his spirit. <clears throat> so today's message is entitled, Investing Your Life. Actually, it's the, the message I felt like God had given me uh, for this church, rather than spending it. And what does that mean? That means we can either live our lives for ourselves, or we can find out what God is doing and give our lives to his kingdom purposes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, or handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Now let's unpack that verse a little bit. Now first of all, I want to tell you, your salvation does not come by you working for God or doing things for God. That comes because of your relationship with Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, not what you can do for him. All right? But now let's back this verse up. God says that he created you in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Now, <clears throat> when that were prepared before you were ever born. That's why we have a high degree of we believe in the sovereignty of God. That's a high degree even when, when storms of adversity hit. We're not caught off guard because we trust that God causes all things to happen for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Amen? We just lost the most amazing pastor. But even in the sovereignty of God, for this season, God allowed that. And you'll see, one of the reasons I believe is you'll see why. There are good works that God has called you to do. Not this church, but you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, when you die, you're going to face two judgments. Right? The first one is called the, the, the great final judgment. That is where believers and unbelievers stand before God, and God asks you the question, Why should I let you into heaven? Now, again, you'll hear me as you get to know me. You'll hear this quite often. The wrong answer is because I attended Cornerstone Church. Eh, Wrong answer. My mama went to church. My daddy went to church. My wife went to church. My husband went to church. I'm not married to, you know, well. The right answer is this. Because, God, I was a sinner. And someone told me about what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And he paid for my sins. And the reason I can come to heaven is not because of what I've done, but because I trusted in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The last word that Jesus uttered 
before he went to heaven was teltelestai in the in in the in his language. In the it's a it's a Greek word that means the debt has been paid. It's emphatic. The debt has been paid. It's been paid to the utmost. You cannot do anything else to pay for that debt. If you think in any capacity that you earn your salvation, it's a lie from the pit of hell. The reason why many people are going to be shocked when they stand before God is they thought, if I was a good person, I'm going to go to heaven. How many of you know good people go to hell because they didn't trust in Christ? All right? Now, the second question, there is a second judgment. Now, if all, if Jesus paid it all, all my sins are forgiven, past, present, future, then why don't I just go live like hell and do everything I want? Because what gets you into heaven is not what you do or didn't do. It's because of what Jesus did. Because there is a second judgment. But this judgment only believers, because those who didn't receive Christ as their Savior, they're not in heaven. But they're going to spend eternity, and they say, I'm going to go be with all my friends. No. Hell is total isolation, separated from everybody. And the greatest person that you're separated from is from the presence of God. That's the judgment of hell. Now, for believers, getting into heaven is because of what Christ, belief in what Christ has done for you. The second thing is, it's called the Bema Judgment of Christ. And it's where God takes and looks at your life, and every believer from the beginning of eternity will stand and walk before God, and God's going to say, what did you do with your time, your talents, your resources? What, were, were you a good steward? Your character. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to be Randy. You don't have to be Willie. But you have to be you. And you have to be faithful to hear what God said for you and for your life. And were you faithful with what God's called you to do? Now, right now, I don't know where we have with children in the nursery. But there are some people who, for them, God says, I want you to work in the nursery changing messy diapers. I'm on the other side of the wall changing other people's messy diapers. It's just what size, right? And if God's called them to work in children's ministry and pour their life into children, and they're faithful when they get to heaven and God says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I gave you a little. You were faithful. I gave you more. What the beam of judgment of Christ is, is taking the talents, the time, and the resources, and did we bring God increase? During our life, did we have a relationship with God, with our character, our commitment to spend time with him, learning how to hear his voice and walk out and do what he told us to do? But guys, if the only time you walk with God is on Sunday morning and you're just a good person all week long, that's not it. God didn't call you to be what I call a fathead. Attend church, listen to sermons. God's called you to go out and fill your city where you work, where you live, where you go to school with the presence and the power of Jesus. If it's in Washington, D.C., or if it's, what's a little town? Amherst or Lynchburg, Virginia. Your neighborhood. How many of you know you can pray over every house in your neighborhood? I had four people in my small little thing attend Grace Church. I just walk around praying, and God saved them. Amen? Where I go to work. When I was working at UPS, a lot of those guys ended up coming to the church. One of them became a pastor. He used to be the worst hellion. woo Lord, thank you. How many of you know there's no junior Holy Spirit? Your name's written in heaven, and Satan, every time he sees you, is intimidated because God is in you. There's no junior Holy Spirit. And we need to change the way we live our Christian life as more than conquerors who go through difficulties so that God can use us and overcome them. You're not an overcomer unless you have something to overcome. I need to get into the sermon. (sighs) Guys, there are works 
And if you have the gift of intercession like Sam's mother, whew, why do you think God's moving in this community? Why do you think God's bringing for this time? There's been a foundation laid in this church. It's unbelievable. But God's getting ready to launch this church into a new season. We didn't grow past 100 for 10 years until God says, Randy, I didn't call you to start a church. I called you to fill the city of Jesus. And guys, I promise you, we have less people than what's right here. God said, Randy, 4,000 men. I said, God, I don't even have 35 men. Now, with the size we are now, people don't go, oh, that's hard to, not hard to believe. But when you have 35 men, I didn't tell too many people back then. I boldly proclaim it now because of what God has done. I don't come to you as one who has said, I have one who has seen God be faithful to his word. Psalms 39.4 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My, no, my life is no longer than the width of my hand. The entire lifetime in just a moment. Human existence is but a breath. I just want to ask you. You cannot change what you've done in the past. But guys, you sure can change what you've done in the future. Many of you have been faithful in the past. But I'm telling you, God's not going to take, I, I, I was a good person at the beam of judgment of Christ. He says, I gave you one talent. I gave you two talents. I gave you five talents. I gave you ten talents. Were you a good steward? Now, you're not getting kicked out of heaven, but there are rewards in heaven. The reason we're going to walk godly is God's going to go every thought, every attitude, every action, is going to be evaluated, and based on your response and the way you lived your life, God says, I have prepared a place for you. Some of us think we're going to have mansions. We might find ourselves digging ditches. Or the little straw shed. All that you have to do is be faithful with what God gave you. I'm just telling you, don't waste your life. Give your life what matters the most. Hebrews 9.27, man is destined to die once. And then after that, to face judgment. That judgment is the final judgment that God says, why should I let you into heaven? But the second judgment, all believers throughout eternity will face. 1 Corinthians 3.10 By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one laid, which is Jesus Christ. I believe Pastor Willie was one of the best men at putting and instilling into this congregation a foundation of believing in God's word. Solid theology, practical living, learn how to spend time with God, learn how to hear what he's saying, and get involved doing it. Folks, what we do from this forward, as we, we begin to re- train up and invest in leaders, we're going to build on what another man has built. And I'm telling you, there's a good foundation. I see some of Ivy Taylor here. Ivy Taylor Frank. <clears throat> By the way, I did not know you were married. I, I, I knew you were, I thought you were married, but then when I got your email, I said, Ivy Taylor. I said, well, Joyce, okay. I got it now. Ivy Taylor, Frank. Guys, there's a great foundation. Now, what are the two things that stop a church from going? The two biggest things that stop a church from reaching its community. The number one thing is we've never done it this way before. What's that? What's a word for that? Religion. (laughs) Tradition. And the second thing is, is when the church starts growing, people say, we didn't have any problems to all these new people. 
started showing up. I just want to ask you a question. Are we willing to become a church that is necessary to change to begin to fill this city with Jesus? I have to say that to my own church because the message of the gospel never, ever, ever changes. And how we present that message of the gospel must change continuously. Paul says, I have learned to become all things to all men so that I might, what? Reach them for Christ. Guys, God's going to ask you, were you a good steward with the relationships, the family, the ministry that I have called you to be a part of? Amen? None of us like the word change. But how many of you know the word repent means change? And really, in one sense, what a lot of times we'll preach is I was going this direction, God convicted me, I repented, and I turned around. But really, the word change in its best definition is I stopped thinking the way I was thinking, and I started lining my thinking up with what God wanted me to think. And that changed my behavior. Because when we change our thinking, our behavior follows. If you change your behavior and you don't change your thinking, it's stinking thinking. Romans 12:1, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you're thinking. So what we have to do is find out what God is saying. So I'm going to repetitively hammer into you, which I know Willie did as well. I always challenge people to read their Bible five out of seven. It's a little saying. Read your Bible five out of seven. What does that mean, five out of seven? Read your Bible seven out of seven. All right? But what if one day you didn't read your Bible? Are you still going to go to heaven? Maybe even two days. So I just, in my early discipleship, most people don't read their Bible. So I would say, how's your consistency? Five out of seven. Usually, like counseling. I would bring a couple in there. They hate each other. You know, I know if I ever loved them. How many times have I heard that? You know, <clears throat> and then I say, okay, I'm not here to fix your marriage. I'm helping. I want to just find out what God's saying to you. So you read your Bible, five out of seven. Seven out of seven is better. I want you to each day take one thing that jumps off the page. I want you to put it in a journal, record it, and at the end of the week, next week, we're going to, I want you to summarize all the things that stood out in your journal, and tell me what was the one thing, if you summarized it, what was God telling you? Now, the guys and the girls, and so he'd come out, and I'd say, how'd you do? And he'd go, well, two out of seven. I said, stick your hand out there. I go, what? I said, not good enough. Now, you know, that sounds stupid. It really sounds childish. But, man, I have guys walk up to me, I mean, guys, our church literally, if you were to ever think of a church that had the baddest of the bad in the world, Special Forces Delta, the largest populace, our church has the world's probably largest populace of guys that go out and shot somebody last week. These are the bad of the bad. The Delta, where they get trained is 20 miles from my front door. The Delta compound, you know, there's Army then there's Special Forces Ranger, then there's Delta. All that training for those guys, most of those guys go to my church. And they're not namby-pamby little Christians. They do their job with excellence. World changers, amen? So, five out of seven. The couple's there, and he'll, he'll go... Two out of seven. I said, well, let's summarize. If you were to say, you listened to Christian radio, you listened to the pastor's sermon, you read your Bible, what was the one thing that stood out? And he'll say it, and she'll go, I've been trying to tell you that for years. And then I'll turn to her, and I said, how would you do five out of seven? Well, I, was, I only got six out of seven. And that's almost always the case. Over time, I, how I disciple pastor, how I train people, Five out of seven, what is God saying? What do you see God doing? And then what are you doing with what he's told you to do? Pretty simple method of discipleship. Really works pretty well. 
all the pastors we have right now, I've got 10 pastors. We roughly, all of those guys have been raised up internally. And we're changing the world. We're filling our city with Jesus. I'm going to believe God's going to do the same thing here. Amen? I can, you can say, hey, Randy, you're just being arrogant and prideful. No, I'm not. Or at least I don't think I am. I want to start giving you a vision that for the season that we're in is I'm going to build on a foundation that Willie has been laboring to do. We just have different gifts. And I have weaknesses too. I need people to do administration for me. I tell people, like I, I told Virgil and Sam, I said, guys, send me a text. If I don't respond, send me another text. If I don't respond, send it to my assistant because he'll make sure I do respond. Okay? Now, <clears throat> five out of seven, what is God saying? If you can find out and learn how to hear from God on a consistent basis, begin to see what God is doing, and then you join him in what he's doing, you will live a life of miracles. It's not if, you will. You know, <clears throat> now we need to get back to the sermon. God's called us each to build, and we're going to be built because, guys, I'm only building because people invested in me. Willie invested in you, and there's going to be people that follow that are going to invest in you as well. So what God says is that we need to store up treasures in heaven. What does that mean? When you do what God's asked you to do, when you stand before God on the beam of judgment of Christ, and you said, God, I was faithful with what you have asked me to do, God's going to say, you did a little, I'm going to bring great increase. How many of you want to hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant? That's why we're going to live for Jesus. That's why we're going to daily spend time with God. That's why we're going to respond properly to the difficult spouse that you have, to the difficult boss that you have, to the difficult situations that confront you in life. Just because it's not just about you, it's what God's doing in you that other people are seeing. And God is more interested in how you're responding because people, when you get to heaven, you're going to go, Last week when I was here, I, I went to a restaurant, and I sat down, and uh, within 30 seconds, someone came down and sat in the booth and said, Hey, Pastor Randy, how are you doing? I'm going, you know me? I said, I'm sorry, I don't. He said, I go to your church. He said, I'm bringing my son up to, to be a part of Liberty. How many of you know you, you better make sure you're doing what's right? Amen. Don't think that it wouldn't happen. When you stand before God, God is going to, at the beam of judgment of Christ, he's going to see every thought, every thought, every heart, every intention. <clears throat> Again, we need to live with the kingdom of God mentality. Luke chapter 12, verse 21, but God said to him, this was a rich man who took all that he had. He filled his bins full. And he says, you know, I'm so blessed. I need to build bigger bins. But rather than taking what God had given him, he kept it for himself. You know what I call those? I call those fatheads. Right? They, they just take it in, but they never give away. God's called you and expects you to give your life and all that you have for his kingdom purposes. Amen? This is what God told him, Luke 12, 20. He says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be. Anyone who stores up for him things, things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Is this talking about finances? Yes. Is this talking about your talents? Yes. This is talking about you have a life, you have a destiny. It says the gifts and the call of God are without repentance. This is when God says, what did you do with the gifts and the call of God that I gave you? Were you a good steward? So I'm going to just ask you, are you a good steward with what God's called you to do? Are you about your father's business? Or are you living your life to please yourself? Now, since I'm going to be harping on people not going too long in their sermons, I'm actually, I've got into the introduction, so we're going to close. No joke. 
But I think what we got is we have a command to go fill the city with Jesus, don't you? Let's take what's been abundantly built into your lives, a solid foundation, good theology, good practices, and let's ask God to begin to blow on of what's there. It's like this. You know, the reason why a lot of churches there's no wood to, to, for a fire to catch on to. And there's some solid wood, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to begin to blow on it. And I believe that the fire will catch on. I'm going to start challenging you guys. First of all, I want to personally ask this. Guys, this church is in a place where if you guys don't remain faithful and committed, First of all, God can raise somebody else up. But we're at a place where we need to build this church to sustain what's going on here. Amen? We're at a tipping point. And I'm going to ask you guys to to prayerfully consider making a year commitment to be a part of this local congregation, to support it, to be involved in it, and to give your lives to be burnt up for Jesus. Amen? Let's ask God to begin to take the foundation that's been laid and let's ask the Holy Spirit to begin to blow on it. If you feel that you can't be a part of that, then we're not gonna then God's still sovereign. How many of you know that? God's able to provide. But folks, I'm gonna challenge you to become all that you can be for Jesus. I believe the best days are ahead. And I believe that some of the best days will happen with people that aren't even in this room yet. Can you help build a foundation for others? Guys, at Grace, we we just had our last baptism. We baptized over 50 people on on one Sunday. We've seen over a thousand, over a thousand, we've seen thousands of people come to Christ in the last 35 years. When we were a church under 100 people, we didn't change our community. But we made a decision that we were going to obey what God told us to do. And folks, I believe the call and destiny of God on this church is to impact this community. Just as Grace Church is planted by some of the most strategic players in the world, as far as intelligence, not not mental but as far as military intelligence, strategic leaders, people coming and going to the Pentagon, making influence all over the world, our church is right there. You're part of our church. But also where you guys are located is in the hub of one of the greatest places, and it's not just Liberty, the colleges, but it's reaching Lynchburg itself. Lynchburg, and it's almost like you have two cities. We need to reach both. Amen? We can't neglect one to the other. We have young families. We have the people that are in this community, the people where you live in your neighborhood that need to know Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to begin to pray for your neighbors. I'm going to ask you to begin to pray for the people that you work with. I'm going to begin challenging you to invite them to a church service where the presence of God is so strong that the message of the gospel is so preached that we start seeing thousands of people come to Christ. How you start that is you start with what God asks you to do today. Amen? Everything we need to do what God's called us to do is sitting in this room. I'd love to have what I have here when God told me, Randy, there's going to be a day when Grace Church is 4,000 men. Not women. Not families. 4,000 men. When God began to speak to me about, Randy, it's time to enlarge your tent pegs, Isaiah 54. He says, Randy, I'm getting ready for rapid expansion. Isaiah 54, it says to broaden out your tent pegs to the left, to the right. The last couple of years, I've been trying to gear up my church. And it, there, there's been a struggle. Not because they, they, they just, like Willie, they didn't want me to leave. 
But God says, Randy, you have a new season coming in, and you need to begin to prepare your churches and the churches you help for what I'm about to do. So, guys, I don't think it's coincidence that my time just freed up, and I'm also feel highly compelled that this church for all these years has a great destiny. Amen? So we want to build on an unbelievable foundation. But guys, it's not even going to be me. It's going to be you guys and what God brings into this house that's going to reach this city for Christ. Amen? So can I ask you to get fired up? Can I ask you to start praying like unbelievable God breathe the Holy Spirit? God, help us to begin to see people and invite people and be willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Father, Lord, I thank you for the gift of those who've already labored years to prepare the work, the prayers that have been already laid for years and years and years, and the, the teaching and the discipleship. Lord, I thank you for the work that you've done. Now, God, I'm asking that, Lord, those that are in this room, those who are part of this body, God, you begin to give them a fresh vision of what you've called them to do. Lord, I ask that you would reach back into the things that you said that you were going to do in their life, those promises that you said you were going to do in their family, in their marriage. And, God, I'm asking that you'd begin to breathe on it. You'd begin to send the wind of the Holy Spirit. You'd begin to send your power. And, God, that they would have visions beyond where they presently are. Lord, I had Sam's mother come up and she says, Randy, I've had a vision the last two days of this room would be so filled with youth we couldn't hardly stand it. We'd have to have two services just to keep all the young people that are coming into this organization. Father, I pray, God, you begin to fill this city with Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to just tell you, quit lollygagging and get to work. Amen. Love you guys. I hope I was not too arrogant. But I just believe there, God is going to do some amazing things. Be spirit-filled, but don't be spooky. Amen? Love you guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.